Hey, have you noticed that since the resurrection of Christ that people have gathered on Sunday mornings to worship? Have you, have you noticed that? I, I seem to see you every week, which I appreciate. You see me mo- most every week as well. You know, I've noticed that since I was a kid, uh, probably in my mother's womb, I was going to church on Sunday mornings. And what I, what I want to remember particularly was the front row, the section over there, and uh, my mom was the pianist, and I, I just remember her, after she finished the offertory, sitting down, and that meant that my pillow, her lap, was finally here, and life was going to get good. How I slept through a fire and brimstone preacher pounding on the pulpit, I'll never know. But I did used to imitate him in our living room on the coffee table. Who knew I'd be up here today preaching the gospel, but I try, will try and not pound the table. And I thought, well, why have Christians for gathered together on Sundays to worship for the past 2,000 years? I mean, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Well, I like what the late A.W. Tozer put it. He's a pastor, preacher, author, and he gave a profound answer to this question. He said this, worship is the purpose for which we were created. Worship is the purpose for which we were created. And uh, there's the slide so you can see it there. We're good to go. Uh, For that's been going on. This is the reason for our existence. This is the reason why we exist. You and I have the capacity. You and I have the ability to worship. That's something that God has given us. Uh, to made us to worship. It's interesting when you look in Scripture and see what the Bible has to say. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, which, as I look at that, that's telling me whatever you do, sunrise to sunset, it is to be for the glory of God. We're made to worship. The Bible says in Colossians 3.17, these words, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, whatever you do, sunrise to sunset, it's to be giving glory, giving honor to God. In other words, worship isn't just on Sundays at 9.15, 9.36 in the morning, or at 11 a.m., as it will be for our second service today. It's to be something that we do every single day of our lives. That's how God has made us. That's how God has designed us to worship every day. Every day, God is worthy of glory. Amen? God is worthy of our adoration. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of us to say, thank you, God, every single day, not just in a worship service here on a Sunday morning. God is worthy of our worship. Yet, we get this, I think. I mean, we get what Scripture says. We can see it up on the screen. We can open our Bibles and go, oh, yeah, 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 I get that. But let me ask you a question. Does your worship have faith? Does your worship have faith? We talk about faith a lot in the Christian life. I'm just posing the question today. Does your worship, not just on 915 service, but throughout the day, throughout your life, throughout the week, Does it have faith in that worship of bringing glory and honor to God? Does your worship involve faith? Does your worship require you to trust God? Does it look like that? Does your worship have an element of sacrifice? 
where you go, this is going to require some faith. Maybe it's the sacrifice of time that you're giving up. Maybe, maybe it's some sort of uh, resource that you have. Maybe, maybe it's energy that you've got to put out. Maybe it's finances that you've got to give. Does that require faith? Hebrews 11.6 haunts me sometimes, but it encourages me. And other times, I hope this will be an encouragement to you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not just, oh, it might not work out. No, it says it's impossible to please God. It goes on to say in Hebrews eleven six, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I would add, by faith. If we earnestly seek him, God wants to reward us. If you want to please God, if you want God to reward on you throughout your life, it's going to require faith in your worship. This morning, we're going to look at a story that we find about two guys, two men, they're actually brothers, that go to worship God. They're kind of like us. They, they get up one day and they go to worship God. And as you'll see, both of these young men's worship involved an element of sacrifice. They gave up something. They did something. And it required some element. Well, actually, one of them required faith. His worship involved trusting God. And the other one there's really not faith involved with it that we can see. At least that's what Scripture seems to teach. This morning we're going to apply this question, does your worship have faith to these two men? And then what I want to do is have some important lessons for us to look at to help us worship God by faith because that's what pleases him and he wants to reward us when we do that. So if you've got your Bible, man, it's smart, great, or your flat screen, whatever, is open to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to look up just real quickly at verse 4. I could say quickly because it's just one verse, but we're going to spend a little bit of time hanging out here. So if you got your Bible again, Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 4. Hebrews 11 verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Uh, it's the verse I just want to hang out on today. And we're going to go to where this came from in Genesis in a moment. But three words that stick out to me. Faith, offered, and the word more. You might have in your translation the word better. Faith offered in more or better. What is faith? Faith is trust. And in simple terms, it's trust. Within the context of Hebrews 11, it is all these men and women trusting God. That's why they're in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, as it's commonly called. In their relationship with God, it was not faith based on knowledge. In other words, that they had all the facts, that God gave them everything that they needed to know, and then they said, oh, well, because I know all this, I have all the facts, everything's in order, as I personally like it to be, now I can go in faith and trust God with what I go out to do as he directs me. It's not by the fact that they had all the knowledge. Rather, in their relationship with God, it was faith based on God's spoken word, what God told them to do. 
with not having all the facts and understanding everything that's going to happen, they're going by what God said. I think of this as no why and no why. No why and no why. K-N-O-W, that kind of no, and N-O, no. The, the no why, all they knew was God said it. That was their why for doing what they did and acting in faith. God said so, and so that's what we know. We'll just do that. There was no why in O. There was no, hey, God, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Where's all the facts? Where's everything figured out for my life so I can really trust you and, and go through life now with whatever I'm dealing with this week? Th- then I can trust you. That's the, I need that a little bit. There's no why here. In there, only the no that God said, that's why we're going to do what we do. That's faith. Second word, offered. Abel came before the Lord to worship God because he offered something. Abel wanted to worship God. He wanted to do that. That was his will, his desire, as opposed to being ordered, directed, or expected to worship he wants to versus being ordered to. So think of it this way. I don't know if this was it for you, but for me growing up in my household, I, I just remember like Sunday we were going to church. Mom has to play the piano at the very least, right? So we got to be there. When I came to live with my aunt and uncle after my parents passed away, under their roof, that was kind of the way they put it, under our roof, as long as you live here, you'll be going to church on Sundays. Okay. I mean, there is no exception. When we're on vacation, we got to find a church to go to because <laughs> that's what you do. I'm like, okay, like, can't we take a break ever? <laughs> that's just me being me, right? I know you've never thought that. Uh, and so I was going to church for the most part because I was ordered to. Have you been there? Are you there now? It, it wasn't until my college years where that changed. God spoke to me, and he gave me a desire that I wanted to worship God. I began to realize, like, what am I? Look at what I have in Christ. And I wanted to worship him. And I wanted to be at church. I wanted to gather for that. So Abel, he's offering to God is because he wants to. It's the purpose for which he was created. He's wanting to come before God to worship him. Abel is coming to worship by offering a sacrifice to God before the law is even instructing him to do so. Do you see what I'm saying here? There's just one. There's not even any instruction at this point in the history of mankind that says, here's what you will do as far as your worship and laws and all that way in the temple and come before there. The last word here in this verse 4 is more, or it's better. Whichever word you've got in your translation. I, I kind of like the word better, but then I go back and maybe on a different day, I go, I like, like the word more. So there's a comparison that's being made between the sacrifices of Cain and his brother Abel. There's a comparison going on. And this is important, I think, for us to catch here in this text. A, fact, a sacrifice is an act of giving up something valuable. It's giving up something valuable to sacrifice for the sake of something that's more important. This is valuable, 
But it's more important with what I have that's of value that I sacrifice that. I give that up. That's what we have happening here with, with Abel. The Greek word is uh, pleona, and it means more or better. Hence why I said you might have more, you might have better in your text. Abel offered, if you will, a more sacrifice, or another way to translate it, a better sacrifice. What, what's, what should we take from this? It's quality, not quantity. God is after the quality, not the quantity of our worship. Let's think of it this way. Uh, maybe you're into football. Oh, that would be me. Uh, College football is just starting up. Every college football team has a scholarship limitation of 85 players. In the NFL, it's going to cut down to a 53-man roster. Everybody's going to have, whether it's college or the pros, they're going to have the same quantity of players. But we all know the quality of players, the quality of teams, that varies. You follow? Okay. Think of it another way. Maybe you're not into football. Maybe you're into flowers. The floral arrangement. So let's say you went down, up whatever it is in direction that I seem to be challenged with at the moment, to the Orange County Fair. And you went to the floral exhibit, and you entered, you wanted to enter a flower for the competition. And you backed up the truck of all the flowers from your flower garden, they said, no, 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 no. It's not about the quantity of flowers you have. It's about the quality. We're looking for the best, the better. We're going to compare it, and we're going to get the best one that's there, and that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to give praise to. That's what we're going to say is more valuable. We're going to say is of importance, right? That's this picture here. The point is that one stands out more because one is better. It's the quality in this case, in this context, with Abel and worship that counts, not the quantity. So how did God receive Abel's worship? If you go back to verse 4 of Hebrews 11, he was commended as righteous. This pleased God because there is an element of what? Of faith. And God rewards those who earnestly what? Seek him. So that's what we have unfolding here. Abel's sacrificial offering pleased the Lord. It blessed the Lord. It honored the Lord because it was righteous. So let me pose a question to you. What kind of worship is acceptable to God? What kind of worship is acceptable to God? Let me offer three requirements that I'm seeing here. One is this. Acceptable worship requires a pure heart. It requires a pure heart. We want to look at our heart, our soul, our being, our conscience. The great contrast between Cain and Abel is found in their heart. It's their attitude a want to versus I'm ordered or I have to. This matters greatly to God in how we come and worship. He requires a pure heart. The Bible tells us that God looks at our heart. The Bible tells us to examine our heart before taking communion. So I encourage you to do that today. We'll be taking that moment to remember what Christ did on the cross at the end of this message. And we have that first song that starts. It's for your opportunity to come up, take the bread where it symbolizes his body. And the cup, which symbolizes his, his blood, the new covenant. And to go back, as I do, and take a moment and just reflect and go, God, search my heart. I, I want to have a pure heart before you. This is a sacred moment. And so it's that idea of an, a pure heart that God 
requires of us. We understand this. We've heard this before. We get this. But there's a second requirement that goes with this. And it's this. Acceptable worship of God requires faith. Oh, surprise. (laughs) It requires faith. Ask yourself this question. How much of my worship of the Lord requires faith? Now, let me not be too humorous, but I do like to laugh. Last week, if you were here and Allegra was singing, do you remember what she was struggling with? Nothing, nothing at all. No, she said she was struggling with her voice, right? Do you remember that? Uh, She had to exercise an element of faith, right, to get out those words that maybe she doesn't have to as often. I don't know Allegra's heart. I'm not trying to judge her. I'm just saying it's that. Let me ask you, not uh, vocal-wise, but does it require any faith when you sing those words? Is there faith involved with that? That's what pleases God. Or think of it this way. How about when you open your Bible and you read what God's instruction is? That's worship, reading through your Bible, studying God's word. Where's the faith in that form of worship for your life? Oh, it gets better. How about prayer? When you worship the Lord through prayer, what element of that is requiring faith? We get that we should probably have a pure heart from according to what Scripture says, but what is it of faith? It says, God, i got to trust you through this. And you go, oh, if you knew the trials I'm going through, you would go, yeah, please pray that I would have more faith, and my faith would be better. Or, or how about this? Maybe it's communion. We're going to worship the Lord through communion. What faith is involved there? I don't know about you, but I've searched my heart a few times and go, man, I cannot believe I sinned like that. God, help me to have faith to realize that your blood did cover that. My sin is separated from me as far as the east is from the west. Sometimes that's required more faith. Maybe you've been there. I think one we could all relate to is giving. We worship the Lord through our giving. There's some days when I've given my offering, I'm going, eh, eh, I got money left in the bank. I'm good. And then there's other times when I've offered to worship God that way, and I'm going, oh, man, it's tight. I'm going to have to trust God more. I'm just challenging us to stop and think about your worship. Does it require faith? Does it require that. A pure heart before God, faith, trust in the Lord, they're key to a more sacrifice, a better sacrifice of giving that to the Lord. But, but how do we have the kind of heart that Abel had? How do we get to that want there, if you will? How do we intimidate the kind of faith Abel had? Well, I'm glad you were thinking that because I was too. Turn over to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. If you don't know your Bible yet, you can just turn right to the beginning and you are good to go. Genesis chapter 4. Let's look at this story here. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Worshiping God by faith. Which just our focus here this morning. Let's read the story as it happened. Now, Adam knew... Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought 
to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door, and his desire for you but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, and Abel killed him. Lord, as I read that text, I just want to stop for a moment and pray for those families that are suffering today. They're in El Paso and in Dayton who are experiencing just heartache and shock and tears. Lord, we see the first murder take place in Scripture, and and unfortunately, it's still going on today. It's part of our fallen world. So, God, we just wanted to pause for a moment and just lift them up. I pray that you'd bring them comfort, Lord, that you'd strengthen them. God, that you'd give them hope, and that, God, you'd remind all of us that, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Lord, we need to be in a right relationship with you. And so I just pray, again, just comfort as only you can provide to these families in Jesus' name. Amen. So Cain was born first. He's the first child. There's hope for him, but the narrative in chapter 4 lines him up with the curse that came about as a result of sin. Cain worked the soil. That was the curse God gave Adam in Genesis 3. It was a consequence. It was a form of punishment, if you will, for the lack of faith in God's word. God said, eat this tree, don't eat this from this tree. I don't know if I, I don't think I have all the facts. Remember, Satan comes that way. I don't, you don't have everything that you could know. I know what God said. Yeah, but that's not enough. <laughs> have you been there? In contrast, Abel appears to be lined up with God's original purpose for man. If you got your Bible, it's perfect because you don't have to turn very far. Look over at Genesis 1, verse 28. This was God's design for Adam and for all of us. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth, like Abel did with his livestock. As opposed to Cain, who's toiling the ground, which we see is the curse that happens in Genesis 3 as a result of sin. So these coincidental descriptions are enhanced with their actions in worship. Abel went out of his way to please God, to worship God, which meant he had faith in God. He had to trust God. Whereas Cain was simply discharging, if you will, a duty. That's what it's, it's showing us here in these passages. There's a contrast of offerings between verses 3 and 4. Cain brought some of his Fruits. He brought some of his fruits. Abel brought fat portions, it says in the text. He brought the firstborn. He brought God the best. This is what he is doing here. 
And the Holy Spirit isn't very intentional with the Greek and the Hebrew as we see it. It's possible this was the first crop Cain had ever had. And it's possible, so it would seem according to the text, that this is the first offspring, the first livestock that Abel has ever had. And what does he do with it? He brings the only offspring, the only livestock he's got, the next generation of people, and he brings it and sacrifices it before the Lord. That's it. He gave everything. Whereas Cain is able to go pick some crops, maybe they're good, but he's got seemingly some left over. Abel's got nothing. Talk about faith. Talk about trusting God. And it's all out of his heart because he wants to do this. As I thought about this, I I thought for myself, as some of you know, I, I grew up on a farm, and I remember the day when my dad came to me and said, I'm going to give you a cow. Now, for most kids, they'd be like, uh, it's okay, Dad. I'd rather have PlayStation 4, Xbox, or whatever. Those don't exist. But my dad gave me a cow. And I raised that cow as a calf. I raised that uh, heifer uh, up. And then she had a calf. And I used to take care of that cow. And then I took care of that calf. And if you would, if my dad would have come to me and said, by the way, As an offering unto the Lord, you need to offer up that calf and sacrifice it. (laughs) My first cow and her first offspring? Are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. I cherish this. Yeah, you should. It's a gift. This is what Abel's bringing, though, to the Lord to offer in worship. It's requiring faith. He's got to say, God, I'm going to trust you for more offspring later on. That's not guaranteed. But I worship you. I trust you. God's reception of the offering, there's a great contrast. It says here in verse 4, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Why? Because there's not faith there. And at the end of that, there's a quality element of it, too. It's a better sacrifice. There's faith involved. What kind of worship is acceptable to God? Thirdly, third requirement, acceptable worship of God requires giving God your first fruits. Giving God your first fruits. Obviously, this is what Abel did, and he did so without knowing he'd have another animal. And as we see here in verse 5, Cain becomes angry. That gives us a snapshot, a picture into his heart and his attitude. Why didn't God look with favor on Cain's offering? I'm wrestling with this a little bit. Maybe you are too. Let's revisit this of the requirements. Requirement one, acceptable worship of the Lord requires a pure heart. According to what the story has, Cain doesn't have that. Acceptable worship requires faith. It doesn't seem that Cain is exercising that. Requirement of worship of the Lord that's acceptable to him requires giving God your first fruits. That's not what Cain's doing here. Yet in his grace, God's grace, in verses 6 to 7, he's trying to convey to, to Cain, God seeks to reason with Cain and can, can correct his heart. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well... If you exercise faith, if you come with me with a pure heart, if you give to me your first fruits, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, then sin is crouching at the door, and it will seek to have your heart. It will seek to devour you like a roaring lion. And this is what we're seeing in our world today. And God in his grace is saying, I just want to warn you, be careful, Cain. You've got to deal with this now. The Bible warns us about this. In 1 John 3, 12, I put it up on the screen for you. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. It's a jealousy. But it all goes back to one's heart. God wants us to be like Abel. As 11.4, Hebrews 11.4, Abel acted in faith. That's how he wants us to act as well. If you want to imitate Abel, what will it mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does worshiping God by faith mean? Let me answer this question. And I want to offer this kind of like three ingredients, like a recipe. If you put this in, you're going to get something good that comes out that's going to taste good in life. And it's going to bless the Lord. It's going to honor the Lord. It's going to bring glory to the Lord. Here's the first ingredient. By faith, it means I give God first priority in every area of my life. It means I give God first priority in every area of my life. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, the best of the best of the best. He's giving us by faith as a sacrifice to the Lord, the first priority in every area of his life. Putting God first is an act of faith and trust that God is the priority. He's at the center of everything in my life that I do that requires faith. What you put first in your life reveals what's really in your heart. It's, it's kind of a, a transparent look into well, that's what's important to this person. That's what matters. That's what life is about for them. Abel's act in Genesis 4 of bringing his first fruits before God revealed what his heart was like. I want to illustrate something this way as just a reminder for me. If you're not taking notes, you might want to take this one down or pull it up on your phone. I am second.com. I am second.com. I've been going to this website. Uh, almost since it started, and I forget when that was, but it's been, it's been a long time. And, and I am second is just what it says, the idea here. God is first, I am second. This website is great because it's the, the person sits down in the white chair and they just share their story. And they share that journey of life where other things were first. And how life was going for them. There's over 100 videos. There are people that you will look and go, oh, I didn't know that they were a believer. Well, I got to hear their story. Or there's something you're struggling with or fighting through. Or you know someone who's just, just wrestling with whatever challenge or trial is in life. I promise you there's a video on there that could speak to that person. And at the end of the video, it does this. Whatever their name is. So in my case, it'd be, my name is Bill, and I am second. Some of the staff members have seen me wearing, maybe you've seen me wearing my shirt, I am second. I guess I do that to promote it, as I'm doing today. But I do that for me going, Bill, remember, you're second. Don't forget that. 
Don't forget that in your marriage. Don't forget that in how you raise your kids. Don't forget that in how you serve the church. You're second. God is first. God is at the center. God is what it comes down to. He's everything. So what does worship being God by faith mean? It means I give God first priority in every area of my life. And being second is going to require faith of putting God first. Secondly, second ingredient, by faith it means I trust God for the rest. I trust God for the rest. I've given my best, now I trust him for the rest. By faith it means I do that. If you look back at verses 4 and 5, again, Abel's brought the firstborn of his flock, and there the portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he had no regard. I've given I give him the best. I'm trusting God for the rest. By giving God his first offspring, it meant Abel had to trust God for the rest of his offspring to come. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. It's likely, but it can't be guaranteed. Why? It's because of this. Raising sheep was Abel's livelihood. It kept he and his family alive. He's going by faith. He's not going by sight. He doesn't see another animal. This is it. And what he saw is now gone. And now he waits. Have you been there? God, I gave you this. I gave you this. And I'm trying to make you first. I am trying to exercise faith. Now I'm waiting. How long do I have to wait? Help me be patient, as Psalm 40 says. Help me to do that. So think of it this way. Let's say uh, I'm a really nice guy. You may not think I am, but let's just say for the moment that I really am. For a moment, (laughs) I'm a nice guy, and I invite you over for dinner. And when you get over to dinner, I say, man, I am so glad you are here. Here's something to drink. I set the table. The temperature is just right. I've got a little bit of music going on. And then I come to the table, and I say, hey, guess what? We're having leftovers. And you kind of, very politely and Christian-wise, you go, well, this will be a great blessing, or whatever it is that you say. But you're thinking, leftovers? You're giving me leftovers. And, and then I forget to grab the uh, salad dressing or something, and, and you're up because you want to get a refill on something, and you open the refrigerator, and you grab, hey, could you grab the, yeah. And so you open my refrigerator, and you see this nice, amazing filet mignon <laughs> that's sitting in there, and you're thinking, and I said, oh, yeah, it's right by the filet mignon. You know, I'm saving the best for me. You can understand that, right? I mean, that's what the world does. I'm just practicing that. Me first. It's all about me. I'm taking care of me. You won't go away hungry. The food is good. It's warm. We got a nice microwave. It works. I mean, I warmed it up. Utensils are clean. Water's clean. I mean, that should work, right? And you say, why did you do that? I said, well, I don't know about the rest of what my meals are going to be. I've got one meal left. I don't know if I can trust God for the rest. 
Yeah, I know there's a Vons up the street, and they seem to have a pretty good selection, and I appreciate the discount on my gasoline and all that, but, but what if it was that way? What if our worship was that way? God, you're going to get what the leftovers I have. All my energy, all my time, all my money, all my everything has been put over here. My life is busy. You see the demands on my life? I don't know if you're there. I don't know where that is. I'm, this is something I'm wrestling with. I don't say this as, a, as someone up here going, you guys need to. No, I'm saying this to myself. Believe me, when you press a message, you're going, oh, man, I don't like what this is saying to me. I got to work through this. So this is the lesson Abel's life speaks about to this day. He's giving God his best. We need to be doing the same. Trust him for the rest. Third final recipe, worshiping God by faith means, by faith it means I live against my human nature. I live against my human nature. We see the human nature coming out in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis 4. Some would say that the ingredients of giving God priority, of giving God your best, is a recipe for disaster because our human nature is to be self-preserving, isn't it? To take care of me, to take care of me first, watch out for number one. That's why I left the good stuff in the refrigerator. That's just my human nature. You can understand that leftovers will be sufficient. I'm just going, yeah, right. Let me take care of me and my family after all. God is a big God. God can take care of himself. I'm sure he can take care of you too. Right? And yet when I look at scripture, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This goes against our human nature. It goes against in some ways what I would call common sense but it goes perfectly with a godly nature. It makes perfect spiritual sense, biblical sense, and we look at it. There's a premise and there's a promise in these two verses. Verse 9 is the premise. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, like Abel did. You do this by faith, with a pure heart trusting God for the rest. And then the promise comes, which is verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The rest, according to what God is saying, is overflowing. It's overflowing. Ultimately, God does not want your money, though. So why money? Because money is usually a test for our heart. It's where we find security. It's where we find things to be like, oh, this is good. Somehow or another yesterday, I made the dumb, stupid, that's what it is, bet with my son. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was in the swimming pool, and I bet him 15 bucks. I thought I was joking. But last night, he told his mom, Dad owes me 15 bucks because he made a bet. I'm thinking, I was joking. Now I got to come up with that. I'm going, seriously, I'm going, man, I don't want to give up that money. I don't like going to the bank and pulling out money. I just don't. You know, not even for my kids. I admit it. It's my human nature. I want to take care of me. I want to preserve. <sighs> money just happens, as I said, to be one thing that we trust in more than anything else. That's our human nature. God's after our heart, though. 
Now, you might want to go, what? You did what? But I'll just tell you what I did. In college, I crashed a funeral party, a reception for someone who had passed away. I did not know the person at all, but I was with a buddy of mine. We're like, what's going on here? It's a party. Let's go in. Let's just see what's going on. Oh, it's someone who died. Hey, how did you know Phil? Oh, well, I uh, happen to know where he lived. So as I'm walking around and seeing everyone there at this celebration of his life, I remember going because I figured, hey, I'm, I can walk wherever I want. So I go into his office. He lived a couple doors up from me, so just some context there. But I, I looked in his office, which I'd never been in, and probably about this wide and about that tall behind his chair was the dollar sign. That has stuck with me ever since that day. It's convicted me. I don't know if the guy knew Jesus or not, but I can tell you this. The, the quality of money is temporary, no matter what the quantity is. And the quality of life and trusting God for the rest, of going against my human nature God says, I want to bless that. I want to reward those who earnestly seek him. So let me give you a reminder as I close. Worshiping God by faith is about quality, not quantity. It's not how much you give to God. It's the quality. It's what you're giving as a sacrifice. Hebrews 11.4 tells us this kind of worship, the worship that Abel brought before the Lord, still speaks today. Your worship speaks to. Does it speak with faith? God, we pray that you would help us in this area, this endeavor of our lives to have faith in our worship. That, Lord, you would help us to have a pure heart. That, Lord, you would help us to have faith. That, Lord, you'd help us to give of our first fruits that, God, you'd help us to keep you as the first priority in every area, to trust you for the rest, Lord, to live against our human nature. God, as I stand here today, I confess I need help with this so much. So I pray for everyone here, that, Lord, you just help us as we worship you to just take a moment and check and say, what, what a faith is required here. Where's my faith? Give us the faith we need, God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.